This episode is for the guys. Okay, but ladies, you can obviously, you should still listen to it. But if there's a guy in your life, you should send it to him. And guys, I'd be interested to hear your perspective. And I want to ask you a question. When it comes to the word fashion or style, men, I want to know, what do you think when it comes to fashion or style? And I mean that in a personal sense, like when it comes to your own personal sense of fashion or style, are you into style? Are you into getting dressed or are you just kind of go through the motions and you kind of just put on what fits? And additionally, what do you think about when you think about ethical fashion and ethical style. Do you think it only applies to women or do you think it applies to men too? I'm really curious. This is a an issue that honestly isn't talked about a lot because let's be honest, in the fashion and style world, particularly the ethical fashion and style world, the voices are primarily female. So today's guest, we dive deep into this conversation and I cannot wait to hear your perspective. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I am your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Garrick Heimbaugh, the chief stylist and founder at EcoStylist. He provides personal style consultations, including custom lookbook creation, wardrobe renovation, and special event styling, both remotely and locally from Iowa City, Iowa. Garrick enjoys tinkering, a warm cup of coffee, edgy patterns, and brainstorming the perfect outfit. His favorite movie? Gattaca. (laughs) This was such a fun conversation and I was really excited to have a male perspective on this podcast when it comes to actually styling and in the area of fashion. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Garrick. Hey Garrick, I am so excited to have you on the show and to have a male perspective on the world of ethical fashion because this is not a perspective that we hear from very often because let's be honest in the ethical fashion world it's a pretty female like female heavy uh, perspective a lot of the times and so I'm just so excited to have you on the show so thanks for being with us. Yeah hey Molly thanks for having me I'm really excited to be here as well and that's absolutely true I think all of the leaders and like all of my heroes in the space are all women. Uh, so that's absolutely the case. <laughs> I, hey, I love it. I'm all about some girl power. So, <laughs> and it's yeah. not very often that you hear a man say that some women are, are his heroes. So I appreciate that. I, I very much appreciate that, Garrick. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> all right. So I am going to have you introduce yourself to our guests and give us the Garrick 101. So tell us who you are and how you got started with Eco Stylist. And I am really just interested to hear how you got interested and passionate about the world of ethical fashion. Okay, great. Yeah. So I, well, so I guess I should start off. So I'm Garrick. I'm the founder of EcoStylist. And so EcoStylist is a marketplace for ethically and sustainably made men's clothes. And how I got into this space, uh, it's a bit of a journey. So I think there's, there's sort of two pieces of it. One is the fashion side. So maybe, you know, maybe three or four years ago, uh, probably four years ago, I actually didn't really care about style or fashion very much. Um, and uh, when I think back on it, it's like it's like I was just trying to blend in with my style and 
um, yeah, I really just didn't want to be noticed. Like I actually, I actually, I remember having the, like, I wrote that down in a journal. I actually had those thoughts. Like I just, when I went to pick clothes, I just wanted to blend in and like basically just hide. Um, so no, no attention to expressing myself that way. And then, yeah, I don't know. And then I actually, it was actually through, it was actually a girlfriend that really actually got me interested in, in fashion. Like she was, she was just like, you could dress way better and you should do this. And I don't know. And I started to get into it that way. And then I realized this was like a really fun way to express myself, but also like you want to represent your best self. And so if you're not paying attention to how you dress at all, it's hard to do that. So I kind of got really into it from that point. Um, and then, you know, I started like I actually started having Pinterest boards and stuff like this where I would um, like categorize styles and all of this stuff. So I'm kind of on that end. I I really like actually the, the fashion space. And then the other piece of it is how I came into this is, is um, yeah, so I my dream, my first dream was to be an entrepreneur. And then my second dream was to be like a social entrepreneur, like to start a social good company. Right. And that was that was my primary, like that was my biggest dream, but I didn't think I could do it right away. Like I thought, you know, I thought like one day I'll be like rich or something and, you know, and, I'll, and then I'll start a social good business, but until then, like, I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, so I, so, so about three years ago, I moved to Iowa, uh, to do my MBA program and my plan in doing that is a little odd of a plan, but I wanted to start a business at the same time. So I thought this is my chance. Like I'll go to business school and I'll get involved in the entrepreneurship programs at the university and like I'll I'll start a business. So that was what I was doing. And I was working on a startup and it was basically a tech solution to help men shop for clothes. And it was kind of like a style quiz. Like I wanted to create an automated personal stylist. And and I was working on this. I had MVPs that I was testing. Um, I did a lot of customer discovery, a lot of testing. And so one summer I was in Boston uh, doing an internship. Uh, there, I was an innovation intern at uh, at Constant Contact, the email company. And anyway, while I was there, I uh, I I was at this market, uh, the Soa market, in the summer, and I met um, there. I saw like these really beautiful shoes, and I was like, oh wow, these are nice. And so I went and I started talking to the guy at the booth there, and it turned out he was the founder of this company. So it was it was Adelante Shoe Company, and they do something really cool, which is that they pay, um, they have a focus on living wages, right? So they um, he, he believes, believes very strongly in, um, like in a living wage and, and it's, I guess it's, it's pretty well known that the living wages aren't really a metric that everybody agrees on, right? Like even Patagonia and like other companies have come out and said, like, we don't know exactly what a living wage is, but, but his company, like they measure it anyway. They, they, they found, they figured out a way for them to measure it in Guatemala where their workers are and, and they pay their workers that. And it's, it's, it's pretty much like above anything in the industry. And when he was telling me about all this, I just got really inspired. I thought like, this makes a lot of sense. Um, and this is so different from, you know, cause you have companies like H and M that have like publicly said that they endorse, uh, paying minimum wages. Like they've defended that position. Right. So this is a very different position and that just got me really inspired. And so I kind of like, I, I thought about it and I thought about it. And that summer I decided, I just pivoted my whole business. I decided like, this is a really cool space. Uh, this is the space that I want to get into. And so I just shifted, and I decided to turn my startup into something that focused on helping people shop for ethical and sustainable fashion instead. Um, and that brought in like a whole new challenge because it, then it wasn't just like, then the question wasn't just how do I make shopping easier for guys? It was like, you know, there's also the challenge of actually buying, um, like finding items that you love that are sustainable and ethically made. And when I first started doing it, honestly, I wasn't sure, like 
I, I was excited about the problem, but I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to find enough options. Like I was, you know, it was, I want to put together good wardrobes for guys with sustainable and ethical clothes only, but is that even possible? Um, and then, but now it's, it's without a question, it's possible. Like the more I get into it and the, like there's new brands popping up all the time and yeah, so now I'm really happy with the options and they just keep getting better every year. Oh man, there's so much I want to unpack here. So I'm going to kind of go back a little bit because there's something that I know about you um, that you didn't share that I think is um, is just important to share with everyone. And that is that, you know, your your heart for for sort of like the core of this, um, that you, you actually studied conflict resolution and, and peace studies in college, um, which is, I remember when I first learned that about you, I, or it was, I guess, conflict analysis and resolution or something like that. And yeah, that's right. yeah. And when I first learned that about you, I'm like, wait, what do you do with that degree? <laughs> and, um, so can you talk a little bit about that and how a lot of that it, is really the foundation for then what led you to go um, to Iowa and get your MBA and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that is a, yeah, that was a, is a really big piece for me. So yeah, so I studied, um, I, I sort of had an untraditional college experience in general. Cause I sort of, um, like I graduated high school early and then, but I wasn't like prepared like everybody else. I was just kind of like figuring it out on my own. And so I, so I got into George Mason university. Um, and even then, like I was an undeclared major, just trying to figure it out. I even took, I even took classes that help you pick your major. Um, so it was like, I was that confused. <laughs> I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah. That they actually have classes like that. <laughs> That's amazing. And, um, yeah. And I honestly thought I was just going to study like Eastern, like Japanese culture is because that was just an interest of mine. But what ended up happening is, um, I took, but I had a couple of interests in mind. So I took this, I took one class. I took, uh, it was conflict analysis and resolution 101. And I was just testing it to see, you know, and, pretty much like during that class I knew I was like this is I was like okay this is what I was looking for um the professor is uh Solon Simmons he was just just incredible just like a really good professor and but yeah so that program really attracted me because it was so it essentially is peace studies um and they just have like really great they had really great professors in the program with like really inspiring stories um like one of my professors in this program like her husband was killed actually in the um al-qaeda embassy bombings in Kenya, like in 1998. And she had this incredible, she wrote this book. It was just amazing um, about reconciliation and like what justice meant to her. Cause like, you know, we justice in a legal sense means one thing, but then like for her, what does justice mean after this tragedy? And then like, there was another one of my professors who he had, um, he had worked on, I think it was with the NGO he was working for, I think is Catholic relief services, I think is what it was, but he was part of the negotiations for the Mozambique peace process. And so yeah, just like these incredible professors and the incredible program. And so I got out and of that program and I studied abroad in Liberia as well as part of that program. We, we worked with local NGOs and like local organizations there, um, just to help them and like learn from what they're more like we were learning. We were basically just learning from what they're doing. Like we were seeing what it's like for them to do their day-to-day work. And we were learning from that experience. Um, and we were also trying to share some of our, you know, our knowledge, like we were trying to share some of what we knew from our, from like all the studies we did with them. But at the same, but I, I feel like the learning was much more art, like on us, like we were learning, I think way more than like we want, you know, than we were passing all, along to them. Um, and yeah, so I got out of that program and I really wanted to work in that field. Um, but I found that it was, it was hard. Like it's not, um, you know, maybe I didn't try hard enough, but like it, it was hard. Like there was a lot of barriers in, cause I was living in the DC area 
And there are jobs in that field. Like there's, you know, the U.S. Institute of Peace had just opened, which is like a massive building and they hire a lot of researchers. And there's other NGOs. But um, there's also a lot of people in D.C. who have master's degrees and PhDs. And so it was I wasn't really, you know, very competitive um, with just a bachelor's degree. And I also wasn't ready to just jump straight into a master's degree after undergrad. Like I wanted, you know, I wanted to kind of um, experience things and like work and learn. So, yeah, so that so like I really wanted to get in that field. It didn't work out for me. So I ended up just getting a job like for a financial institution and kind of like still having like big dreams, but just not really able to realize them. And then, yeah. And then at some point I realized like, I just have to make changes. Like this isn't working for me. You know, like I studied peace studies, I want to make an impact in the world. And and so kind of my plan when I got into business school was I really had this passion for social good businesses. Like, like I said, like I was reading, I was reading early stories of like Tom shoes and Warby Parker and, and, you know, and we like, we know that now that like the Tom shoes model, you know, can be improved for, but mm-hmm. just early on reading those stories, it was still inspiring for me. And yeah, so I, but I just thought that I had to, like, I believed, I think this was like a barrier in my mind. I believed that I had to start some kind of regular business first, like make money and then do a social good business. Like, I just didn't think that you could just jump into a social good business, but I mean, actually you can because they work like a, a good social, you know, there's plenty of evidence. There's plenty of businesses that are doing it. Um, they work as businesses. So, but yeah, that's kind of my, my journey. Yeah. And I think that that's a really, I think it's just a really good point to bring up because I love that line that you said really early on where you were like, you thought, you know, one day I'll be rich and I'll be able to start a social good business. And so often I hear from a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people who are wanting to make a difference in some way, shape, or form. And I always hear the phrase in some form or another, like, well, when I get to X, I'll be able to do X. And I think all the time about, like, how do we begin to break down those barriers and how do we begin to use the skills that we do have and the knowledge that we do have to just do the thing, to just actually step up and step out and try it. And it doesn't have to be perfect right away. Um, you know, I think sometimes we always feel like it has to be perfect and um, it, it doesn't. And so I, I just love that um, that foundation that you had and, and something that, you know, this is an issue that is very interconnected. You know, I hear, I get pushback sometimes from people when they think like, oh, well, fashion and, and you know, like the product industry is just a bunch of vain, self-righteous people. And, you know, it's just very like, Uh, frivolous and you know all that kind of stuff and I'm just like no 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 like it does that exist in every industry like probably Um, but you know I am convinced I am convinced that creating jobs and creating sustainable economic opportunity and paying people a living wage like that is the thing that is going to end things like global poverty and and you know human trafficking and wars and all that kind of stuff because at the root of it like if we really peel back the layers of the onion in a lot of these major major massive global issues it's just a lack of education and a lack of access to jobs like that's what it is and so it's like okay well then how do we then create jobs in in that area and so um and for you like as a stylist like it's you know some people might think like oh you know just a stylist and I'm like no 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 like when you're advocating you are an advocate for some of these brands that are quite literally changing communities. You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. And the really cool thing is, I mean, I I think the, the you know the core of our business is is like the shop on our website, but 
but I mean, as but you have a good point. As a stylist, um, you have so many opportunities. Like everything I recommend to people can be ethically and sustainably made. Um, I can recommend the best ways for them to you know, sustainably, um, like recycle and donate their used clothes. Like, so there's all these steps along the way of that process that I can help, uh, people, you know, just like live a more conscious life. So, yeah, so it's actually, there's like actually a lot of opportunities, um, in the styling business, but yeah, I really like what you said about the, the, if X, then Y like that. I think that's, that's so true. I, um, it's kind of a weird connection I'm making here, but like there, I actually, I was at the study hall in New York, um, the one that Celine uh, with the the Slow Fashion Project, the one that she, or the Slow Factory, the one that she hosts. Yeah. Um, and there was, yeah, and Dapper Dan was there and he he had this quote and he was like, if you can see it, because um, he was talking about how he's very visible in his community. Um, and he was like, and he said this quote, and he was like, if you can see it, you can be it. Um, and I think that, like, I think a lot of the stories that I, when I think back to like why I believe that I needed to be rich first, I think of all these stories that I heard and it's, I think it's that, you know, the stories we hear a lot are, you know, um, like Bill Gates or like Richard Branson where like they, they do all these great things in the world, but like they were rich first. Um, and that's fantastic. But I mean, I think maybe, um, we just need to see more of the other stories too. Like, you know, they like the other, cause there's like a lot of them out there, but there's also people who just jumped in, um, especially now with like the conscious movement who are just jumping into these businesses, um, and I think it's just like hearing those stories that can like then make you believe like, oh, okay, I can actually do that. Um, I don't have to, you know, there doesn't have to be like this X first. Okay, I'm just breaking really quick from this conversation with Garrick. And I wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show. And that is The Root Collective. Now, The Root Collective is no stranger to the show. Bethany Tran, who is the founder and owner of TRC, is one of my nearest and dearest friends. She was a guest really early on, and I've been a huge fan and supporter of The Root Collective for years. You can pretty much always catch me wearing their incredible shoes. Why? Well, because they are the most complimented pair of shoes I own. In fact, currently, while I'm sitting here recording this, I am wearing my brand new Molly sandals. And yes, in case you're wondering, these sandals are named after me. Uh, They are absolutely incredible. They're so comfortable. They come in four styles and they are the perfect summer sandal. But what's even cooler is that I get so many compliments on them and it gives me an opportunity to talk about the story behind my shoes and how they're ethically made empowering communities and investing in change through job creation go to stillbeingmolly.com slash trc and use the coupon code purpose 20 for 20 percent off your order now back to my chat with garrick i think there's a there's a misconception that it's like the most generous people in the world are often like the wealthiest and i i actually I'm not saying that there are wealthy people that are not generous. There are certainly wealthy people who are incredibly generous with their finances um, and their time and their talents. But I have found personally in my own life and my own experiences that the most generous people I know are just everyday like middle class people. And they just give and they give and they give um, both financially and, um, you know, with their time and their talents and all those kinds of things. And and so I love seeing those examples of people in my life who are not, you know, living in massive mansions and driving, you know, $100,000 vehicles and all these kinds of things. Like they're just generous people because they care. Um, And so I'm not and I'm not like knocking anybody on it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. But you know, and even more. so I've seen even lower class people um, by, by socioeconomic standards, like who are just incredibly generous. And so it inspires me to like whatever stage you are at in your life, um, 
you can do it. Like you don't have to wait for the silver bullet. You don't have to wait for that X amount of dollars because I've found <laughs> over and over again that uh, no matter what goal for you set for yourself, whenever you kind of get to that goal, there always seems to be another one off in the distance that can become an excuse. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to um, kind of talk a little bit about how some of the things that you you addressed because you know you you said that you weren't always into style and and fashion, which most men that I know are not. <laughs> and uh, like yeah. and um, like I'll be honest, like my my husband, who I think dresses fantastic, but you know, it's a lot of it has been my influence. Um, because mm-hmm. like when we first started dating, like he definitely still wore shirts that he wore like for his senior pictures in high school. And I'm like, honey, I love you. That shirt has got to go. Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. is that, is that upholstery that was on your grandmother's couch or is that a shirt? I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> So he he edits my show and he's going to laugh because uh, I talk about that shirt all the time. Like there's this one polo shirt that I have in my mind that I was like when we were dating, I was like, yeah, that's going to have to go. Like, I don't know where that came from. What year? What what year was that made? I'm not sure. Um, But that is like that is such a common thing in men that I see where they're just like, ah, it still fits and it like doesn't smell bad. So I'm going to wear it. Um, And which is fine to an extent but then also like understanding that like at at a point like you want to invest in yourself some you want to you know put on a nice pair of pants and a nice shirt and you know when you're in the professional world you want to have a suit that is tailored and you know matches and it is it looks nice and because like you said like fashion can be and style is an expression of who you are and it doesn't like it doesn't matter how smart you are or how, you know, whatever. Like it when you go out into the into the world and if you're, you know, a public speaker or you're going on a job interview, like people make first impressions about you based on how you look. Like that's just a fact. Yes, we want to see beyond those things, but we also want to you know, present the best version of ourselves. So with all of that kind of being said, where along the way, you know, you said that it was a girlfriend that got you interested in style and fashion, but at what point did it kind of click for you? And then my follow-up question to that is, how did you begin to strategize your business in a way that that speaks the language of men? Because you obviously came from you were a very like quote unquote typical guy who doesn't like invest in this a lot. Um, So at what point did it kind of click for you? And then how did you start to frame the conversation in a way that guys can say, Oh yeah, like that's something I I want to do or I can relate to that. Yeah. Great question. So the, yeah, at what point it clicked? Um, So I think it was, it was basically that I had, terrible style like just to be honest it was really bad (laughs) and um and I started to care um it wasn't I started to care because like she had just sort of gotten me into it like you know like um like in a positive way but she you know she would be like no you could wear this instead or like this would look better and I think it was just like it was with her kind of like with her with her with her sort of like help and influence it, it I realized it was really fun and it was also like really I don't know like it was actually something that I enjoyed um, that I enjoy getting into because it's, I think, 
like you were saying, like it's it's um it's part of representing your best self, right? It's not like if you want to express yourself and represent your best self, in, like you can't just hide that part of it. Like that's that's definitely a part of it. Um, and once I realized that, yeah, it just it, it just made sense. And then it was you know I wanted to I kind of figured out. Then at that point I figured out like my own personal style. And then yeah, it's just something I really enjoy enjoy doing. And then which is why I, I love helping other people do it now. Um, and yeah, in terms of the voice of it, that is, um, it's interesting. There's an interesting question because I did a lot of, I, I dug into this for a while. So I, when I had really thought about, um, I think before I, you know, well before I started this, I, I wanted to have a blog about uh, men's fashion and I didn't, I ultimately didn't do it because I was working on other things. Like I actually had a, a productivity blog for a while um, like about a year where I just read a ton of books about personal productivity and like did book reviews and, and, and snuck out like the, the, you know, the two paragraphs that you kind of like essential needed from essentially needed from that book and stuff like this. So I didn't, yeah, so I kind of held off on it, but I, I did a lot of research in that area and I didn't like a lot of the voices to be honest. Um, and this is something, this isn't something I've like talked about before, but it's, it's, um, yeah, it's just, to be honest, a lot of the voices in the men's fashion space are kind of uh, like broy, and they're just, and I don't like it personally. Like I, you know, I, I know was like, exactly what you're talking about. So yeah, that's why I, that's like, why I'm laughing because I'm like, yep, mm-hmm, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think I think at first I was a little confused because at first I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to adopt this kind of voice, and then I was like, mm, I don't want to. Like I I hate this kind of voice, or just I just really don't like it to be honest because I don't think that it's um, it just doesn't feel. Like to me, it doesn't feel genuine and it wouldn't be like an honest representation of who I am. And it's also not like exactly the best. I don't know. Like I kind of want to have more of a voice where it's kind of like, I don't know, like if you were like talking to your best friend or something and they were like walking you through, you know, improving your style. Like I don't want to be, it's just not the voice that I wanted. And when I kind of realized that I kind of like found my own voice in the space and, and, and being that it's ethical and sustainable fashion, it, you know, obviously that creates something else interesting with the voice. Cause it's like, there's all these issues to care about and stuff like this. But yeah, I just wanted a more, um, I just, I definitely wanted a voice that was different and a voice that was more genuine to me and not, you know, not what I was seeing in the space. I relate to that so much because when I started getting into the ethical fashion world, I was experiencing a lot of the same things in that, but not like in a bro-y sense. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but I, I found that a lot of the voices that I was hearing in as I began, you know, my own journey into ethical fashion in 2011, and then really, I, I'd say. Because I, it's not that I wasn't like loud about my passion for it, but it just nobody was really talking about it then in a in a public sense. Like I was really having to do my own research, and then in like probably 2014, 2015, as more and more kind of people in the ethical fashion blogger space came up, and then you have like a, a lot of the like zero waste community and the conscious fashion community and people like that, which there are so many amazing people that I have met um, through those communities. But I felt like there was a lot of like almost kind of this shame narrative that I kept hearing. And like uh, it, it almost kind of felt like a cool kids club that I couldn't be a part of. Mm-hmm. And, and it felt almost a little like unwelcoming and not like joyful and approachable. And it was just like, I just I didn't resonate with any of it and I was just like this just doesn't feel like me and so I felt like I needed to be 
put myself in this box where everything was like white and gray and like very neutral and like no color, no personality. And I felt like I just needed to fit in this box. And then I was like, that's not who I am. And so, and, and that's fine if that's like your aesthetic and your style is that and very like kind of serious, but I am a former comedian. I am far from serious. So, um, you know, I, I just was like, I'm just going to kind of do what, what feels right to me. And it's just, it's, it's only been, I guess, to my benefit in in that, like, you know, I, I hear from people all the time who are, I would categorize as like, you know, your quote unquote average consumer, like people who are just not, really in the ethical fashion space because they just they're new to it or whatever um and and so I hear from them and they say things like oh I just really resonate with what you what you share or you know because of you I have learned about these sustainable brands or I've really begun to re- do more research about fair trade and all those kinds of things and like that just makes me so happy because I'm like yes 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 because I want to get it to the point where there is no such thing as the, quote, ethical fashion space. There's no such thing as, like, the conscious consumerism space because that's just how business is done. And so, like, that's just how consumers are. And so, but if we if we continue to, like, hole ourselves off in this little world and put up this fence around ourselves and say, like, nope, you have to have a ticket to enter, you know, this this area. It, we're just we're not going to win people over. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I've I picked up as well on some sort of some divergence of voices in the space. And I think on the one hand, I think it's important to have a diversity of, of voices oh, in the space. Absolutely. Yeah. And not just on not just when I say that, I also I mean, like, also on the spectrum of just um, sort of what people are advocating for, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I sometimes hear or like read some pretty like I, with, uh, positions that I feel like are a little bit aggressive. So I'll give an example. So you know, like in the in the eth- in the ethical fashion space, right? You'll sometimes have you'll have voices sometimes that will be really loud that will say uh, like around issues like like anti-consumerism, like don't buy anything. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's an important message in the space. To be clear, like. Like, absolutely, like, if you're trying to be sustainable, right, the the first thing you can do is, like, make use of what you have. And then the second thing you can do is buy used clothes. And then the third thing you can do, you know, is, like, is buy, when you're buying new stuff, is to buy, like, ethically and sustainably made stuff um, that's, you know. And so, like, yeah, I, I agree with that. But then at the same time, the voices will be, like, they'll come into the space and they'll, they'll be, they'll have a position as if, like, as if that's the only thing you should do mm-hmm. and, like, and buying ethically is wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, really strongly disagree with that because I think I think that the space should be more supportive. Like I think we should. It's okay to advocate for those things, but I think we don't need to like we don't need to attack other parts of the space in order to do so. Like we yes. can we can be united. Um, because I also think like it's I don't I don't think I think we should be acknowledging how good what these brands are doing is and not yeah. you know and and um, you know because they're it's they're using like like they're you know they're using business as a as a way of positive economic development you know they're they're addressing all kinds of issues like like human slavery they're you know they're doing all these really great things they're they're improving they're reducing the impact on the environment and and we should be like celebrating that and and just yeah so i just think the space should be united and um in terms of in terms of like those issues and, and the voices yes absolutely absolutely and and so often it it's almost like this either or narrative it's like well you have to be zero waste or you can't 
be anything. And it's just like, well, no, like zero waste, a zero waste lifestyle is really difficult for a lot of people. Like I have two, two young children. Like, guess what? I cannot fit all of my trash in a mason jar by the, by the end of the month. Like I, I make enough trash to fit in a mason jar in about six minutes with two young kids. Um, so um, <laughs> like, let's just be honest. Um, but I, you know, where I can, I cut back on like, I try not to use plastic straws and like I use reusable grocery bags like I make little changes where I can and it's the same in the you know ethical fashion space it's just like you know what for a lot of people fashion and style is a form of self-expression it can be an it can be an art and it's something that like I just really love it it brings me joy I am never going to have a 30 piece capsule wardrobe that's just not my personality like I love to express myself through fashion but I don't purchase the way I used to like when I was in college I was 100% the person who would go to H&M or Forever 21 and buy like a $5 shirt to wear to one event and then never wear it again. Um, I don't do that anymore. Like I, but I, I'll buy a shirt that's a nicer shirt that's sustainably and ethically made and I wear it a million times. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. but I don't think it's, it's not bad to, sh- to shop. It's about being conscious in the way that you do it and to just not impulsively purchase things for the sake of it. But you know, to support businesses that are doing good in the world. And I am 100% in agreement with you on all of that because it's, yeah, it doesn't have to be this either or. But if you're the type of person who like you only need 30 pieces in your entire wardrobe and you can do a capsule wardrobe and you can wear the same thing for 15 years and like that's your style, do it, do it. Like we are all different people. Like it's okay. We can all have different approaches to this. Um, But you know, if we're all making little by little changes to our habits, like that little by little progress adds up over time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think it's the, yeah, like, like lots of little changes by lots of people is, is obviously hugely impactful. And I think, I mean, on the one hand, I think, I think I sort of understand some of it because I think uh, I'm sure you experience this too. Like in, in our space, sometimes the issues can feel overwhelming, you know, like sometimes, yeah. Um, like I remember right after I watched the doc river blue, the documentary, mm-hmm. um, I just felt really overwhelmed because it's, it's such, you know, um, it's a really good, it's one of my favorites actually, but it's, you know, but the issues are just so overwhelming. Um, and so I think sometimes that can happen, but I think, like you said, it's important to, to be advocating for small changes because the more people we get involved in this, like the more impact there's going to be. And yeah, and the space should certainly be approachable. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I just want to kind of get like a, a picture of if you could just kind of share an example of now. So you have this styling business, you're advocating for these um, ethical and sustainable brands, you're trying to kind of bridge the gap with men and the area of like fashion and style, especially for guys who like maybe this isn't their typical you know, way of thinking or their typical approach to fashion. Um, what is sort of your process? So do you just, does a, a man just kind of reach out to you and say, Hey, I'm interested in your services. What, what's the process in working with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, as, so I mentioned the, so the kind of the core of our, of our business is just our, like our online shop. And then, um, so we have, you know, there you can, find items you like from any, from any of these brands that we've approved. Um, 
and like we research all of our brands and then so you just get connected to them um so that's kind of the core and then we also have you know we have shoppable um like blogging articles as well um and all this stuff is kind of our the core of what we do and then yeah the styling service is is like an extra thing that i do and that's um yeah people would reach out to me um and it's almost it's entirely people reaching out to me at this point i don't i don't really um just because time, you know, in the day, I don't really uh, like I don't really actually try to sell it or like advertise that piece of it because there's so many things to do. <laughs> but um, yeah, but people will reach out to me and and and, um, and then we'll it's it, you know, we can just be like a by the hour thing or it can be um, like a full, you know, full. It can be like a full wardrobe makeover where um, we're either through Skype or in person. If they're local, I can like I go through their closet with them. Um, I help them identify. So I'll just give you an example of one of like one that I did. Um, like we went through, we went through his whole closet. We found, first of all, we found like a ton of items that didn't fit him properly, you know, um, that he didn't like things like this. So, so all that stuff we were, you know, we could put into a pile and say, okay, well, we need to figure out what to do with these things. You know, if they're so far off the mark, um, you know, then you can be, you can like recycle and donate these pieces. And then we identified like his ideal style. So I'm, I'm not going to impose on anybody what their style should be. Right. So, so I work with them to figure out what it is their goals are. And then, uh, the way that I like to do it, because I think it's fun and also I get their input is I like to create Pinterest boards for them. So I'll create a Pinterest board for somebody, um, of what I think is their ideal style, right. Based on our conversations. And then they'll, I'll have them verify. So they'll verify like which images they like the best. Um, and in that sense we can get on the same page and I can say like, okay, we're on this, we're like, we're together in this, we know like exactly we, you know, where you want to go. Um, and then I'll create a list of like what the next steps are for them. Um, so if they need to buy new clothes, um, you know, it's like, here's a list of, uh, items you need to achieve this look, um, like ethically and sustainably sourced, obviously. And, um, it'll be kind of like structured in a way that it's like, it, this is like bare minimum, right? So it's like, here's, to create a few, like these couple of outfits, here's what you should buy first. And also you can use pieces you already have in your wardrobe. Um, and then I could, but I could also take them thrift shopping would be another way to achieve, you know, the goal. Um, if the, you know, if they were, if they were into, if they were willing to get used clothes, um, that would be another option. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the, that's kind of like the ideal process, you know, in person, we can also work through it on Skype. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how that works. That's awesome. I think it's, just a really brilliant model. Um, and you're, you know, I just, I would love, love, love to see more men advocating for these issues, um, and advocating around these topics because it is a very, it's one of the like few industries that is very female dominated, which I, I, again, I love because I am all about like some women changing the world. Um, but I think it is very, you know, very important to also get men on board. Um, it's the same reason that like I am really passionate about getting men on board in the areas of fighting human trafficking and things like that. Um, because it's just, it's something that we all kind of need to like band together and and do those things. So the fact that you're creating an opportunity to kind of bridge that gap between, um, this industry and, and the importance of it and, and the, average Joe, so to speak, um, is, is really awesome. So Garrick, I think that's really cool. Um, so before we transition to our get to know you round, Garrick, if, if a, if a dude listening, we do have some awesome dudes who are fans of this podcast. Um, if a dude listening is interested in working with you, how can they do that? Yeah. So, uh, well, the main, I guess the main, the main thing would be to go to our website, uh, which is it's eco, 
dash stylist.com or just ecostylist.co where it's all one word. Um, and yeah, and you can, there you can pretty much, you can, you can, you can do all of it. Cause you, well, there's our website, but then you can also contact me through there. So then, okay. um, yeah, like in our about section, you can find, you can find the, uh, the personal styling and you can contact me. Um, and if you fill out the contact form there, you, uh, um, like I'll be able to reach out back out to you. Um, as well as we also have a little chat feature where you can, um, you know, you can record your questions or, or you're even, you can even leave your contact information and we can contact you that way. Sweet, sweet. Well, Garrick, this is the portion of the show where we transition a little bit just to get to know you and ask some fun, get to know you questions. And as my listeners know, this is also the portion of the show where my husband, who is the executive producer of this show, inserts a TV clip, a movie clip, some type of sound effect to transition us to the get to know you round. We never know what it's going to be. It's always a surprise. Uh, but Garrick, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> awesome. I had a revelation, and that is there's not a whole lot of supermodel shopping at Walmart. <laughs> it's pretty much just us rednecks. You know, and, and we, we don't wear stuff because some magazine says it's the latest style. We wear stuff because it's comfortable. And if you can't look at it and keep your lunch down, that's your problem. What was your favorite TV show to watch growing up? Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm, TV show. I w- it's sort of it's sort of an interesting question for me because I did watch um, like regular TV, but I also was really into anime when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. So, so when I think of like what my favorite TV show was, um, yeah, it's a bit tricky. I think it was sort of. So I was actually when I was I guess when I was in like when I was in high school I was really into into Naruto actually the the anime and at this point in time like it wasn't something that was in the U S it was only in Japan but I would still like I would get it online and like watch the subtitle versions um, and I was really into that because I really uh, related to the like the main character has this really uh, I think it's a really it, at the core of its story like it has this really beautiful story of of a character of of character development and this character who sort of is like alienated by a community but um, sort of has the strength to like rise above that and also just be a good person, like be compassionate to other people. And so, yeah, so that was my favorite show growing up. I love it. I love it. Um, Okay. Question number two, if you got stuck in an elevator and you were forced to listen to only one song, what would it be? Oh, (laughs) for how, for how long? Hey, who knows (laughs) until they get you out. (laughs) Um, only one song. Uh, the, okay. I'll just pick since, Music is always changing for me, and I don't know if I'm sure other people can relate to that. Um, I'll just pick the song I've been listening to lately. So, Oh Devil by um, Electric Guest mm-hmm. is the one that's been stuck in my head, so I would just listen to that. All right. All right. I've never heard of it, but I'll have to check it out. What is something that you think everyone should do at least once in their lives? Great question. I hmm, um, There's a lot of things I could say here. I, I would say try rock climbing. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's a, that's a hobby I really enjoy, um, and yeah, and it's pretty easy to try it. So, well, I a would, rock yeah. climbing place just uh, an indoor rock climbing place just opened up near my house, and I love to hike. So I feel mm-hmm. like I would enjoy rock climbing. I realize indoor rock climbing is a little bit different than outdoor rock climbing, but still, I mean, I feel like it's you know it's 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 in a similar vein. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, I. Like mostly uh, climb indoors because it's just um, well, I guess like living in Iowa, it's a lot easier. Like there are yeah. we do have rocks here, but um, <laughs> there are but rocks everywhere. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I can't go like outdoors every day, you yeah. know, for example. So I, I put on, yeah, inside is great as well. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, my last question is, what are you most grateful for today? What I'm most grateful for today is, honestly, is I, I feel like it's timing. Like I'm really, um, I'm really grateful for the conscious consumerism movement and, and where it's at and that people care about these issues and, you know, that people are engaging um, because that's, I mean, honestly, that's, you know, if people didn't care, I wouldn't be able to do anything that I'm doing. Um, and it's also just really inspiring that people, um, that, that people are making these choices. And, and yeah, I just think it's, it's a great time and I'm really grateful for that and to be a part of this movement um, and to be able to meet like, you know, like leaders and heroes in the space and people like you who inspire me. So that's what I'm most grateful for. Awesome. Well, Garrick, this has been truly a pleasure to have you on the show. I really appreciate your perspective um, and just all that you're doing to advocate um, in the ethical fashion space and, and create an opportunity for men to get involved. And uh, yeah, I just think you're awesome. And I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Molly. It was a lot of fun chatting with you. All right, men, I really would love to know what you loved about this episode. Maybe something you learned, something you resonated with. So let me know on social media. And ladies, I want to hear your opinions too. So be sure to find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast and let me know what you loved about this episode. And of course, another huge thank you to our sponsor, The Root Collective. Visit stillbeingmolly.com slash TRC. Use that coupon code PURPOSE20 for 20% off your order. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome, welcome, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for so many past shows, like 140-plus episodes, featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you're subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the podcast. And while you're there, would you take a moment and leave a review of the show? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, with support by Mark Haywood, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening, and go do something good with purpose on purpose. Purpose.